Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Well, what an appropriate song to sing when we're starting or continuing our series on what is a miracle. There's no other miracle that is greater than being from sin-led to spirit-led, from being called a child of wrath to being a child of the Most High God. Man, that song, thank you, Pastor Philip, that is a miracle of salvation. That is a miracle in which we, we love to see, we strive to see in the lives of others. And man, I'm reminded of Luke 15, 10, when there's the miracle of salvation, the angels, they go crazy. Man, so thank you, Pastor Philip. Thank you, worship team. If you are joining us for the first time, we want to say thank you again for worshiping with us today. We are so excited to be in this series of talking about miracles. The miracle of God's provision is what we're going to be focusing on today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Philippians 4. Take your phone out, scan the QR code, and that will take you to the sermon notes that are provided. Or if you're old school like I am, you can open up your Bible. So miracles. As a reminder, what is a miracle? A miracle is an act where the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, he moves in such a way that goes beyond all logic, that goes beyond all scientific reason, and he moves in such a way where we're we're like, man, that was God. The purpose of miracles, again, the purpose of miracles Throughout scripture, and even when miracles occurred today, miracles, the purpose of them is so that God receives all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and we get to embrace him with great exhortations when a miracle is seen. Now, I understand that there's a lot of miracle or there's a lot of uh, interpretations, misconceptions, a lot of views on miracles and so we, that's why we're starting this series today, or continuing it. We're trying to debunk all these interesting things and views about miracles, and we're bringing to light how God still uses miracles today in your life and in mine. When Pastor David and I, uh, by the way, Pastor David and Chanel, they are on vacation. Obviously, I'm not Pastor David. I have a little bit more hair here and more here hair here. So I am not Pastor David, but be praying for Pastor David and Chanel. They are out west enjoying some snow-covered mountains and scenery. Uh, Pastor David was sending us pictures this week, the staff, and it is really pretty uh, where they're at, but Pastor David, you can keep the snow there. All right, and so be praying for them as they are on vacation and uh, and we'll enjoy the 70s. I agree with Heather. We'll enjoy the 70s and 80s. But they are, giving, they are enjoying some much-needed rest and relaxation. So be praying for them. But when Pastor David and I, when we were looking at this series, when we were deciding on what to talk about or what I would preach on, I just really drew, uh, my attention drew to the miracle of God's provisions. And because, because of this, I want to share with you a few stories on how God has been providing in so many ways throughout my life. 
For example, uh, one example that I have is I went to uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. It's found, it was founded in 1886, and from 1886 all the way until today, they are a donor-based school. And what that means is uh, grandmas and grandpas like yourselves or big-time CEOs, they give and they support Moody um, and so that people like myself who attend Moody, they don't have to have the the strangle and the stronghold that, uh, that, that college tuition has. And so I was blessed with an opportunity to go to school and only have to pay room and board. I didn't have to worry about uh, the other things that college comes. And so I was blessed by my education. When I was uh, working at, as a camp counselor at a place called Beulah Beach, there's this place, in, and I love Beulah Beach. It's, it's on the lake in Ohio. Um, I know you guys down here are spoiled by the ocean, but, you know, in Ohio, we don't have much, and so we're thankful for what we do have in Lake Erie, all that E. coli, but it's fine, it's fine. And so the summer after my freshman year of college, I, I worked as a camp counselor, and, you know, God, he provided a way for Beulah to be completely debt-free. This gentleman, he comes to the director, and the director, his name is Ralph Trainer. Him and Mr. Trainer are talking, and he's like, Mr. Trainer, what is a way in which you can be set up for success, spiritual success and financial success in the future? And with a puzzled look, Mr. Trainer says something along the lines of, well, you know, we have about a quarter of a million dollars still in debt that we need to be freed from. And the conversation kind of ends, and a few weeks later, that same individual comes back, and Mr. Trainer still says to this day that that is the largest check that he has ever received from somebody. He was able, that person was able to bless people like myself with an opportunity to work at Beulah Beach. Now, I will compliment my in-laws here, so don't tell them if you ever meet them, but I do and I am very th thankful that God has provided we, me with supportive in-laws. All right, so I've complimented my, my in-laws once. That's my quota for the day. I'm in. I'm good. And God has also provided me with amazing and supportive parents as well. God's miracle of supportive family members is something that Kara and I treasure and value because each step of our, our walk and our relationship with God, every, every church that we've been at, it's, nothing, it's been nothing but filled with support and prayer from my family. And then on a practical sense, God, he provides in ways in which blows my mind at, at seasons and times where I don't know where God is going or leading us to go, but he definitely knows. Now, I want to say a curse word, COVID. I know, I had you guys going there. You're like, oh no, what's this guy doing? Okay, so right before COVID, in January of 2020, my wife and I, we were blessed with an opportunity to move from a tiny home, aka a 900 square foot apartment, into a, uh, into a 1,500 square foot house. And we were blessed with that opportunity. God guided that, and we were so thankful and, and joyful, uh, joyful of that opportunity. And as you know, a few Short months after that, COVID happened. And so when, when the season of COVID was, was there and everyone's like, oh no, what are we going to do? I'm still thankful that I did not live in a 900 square foot apartment with three children. So I will say now with six kids in our house, it feels like that 900 square foot apartment, <laughs> but it is okay. 
And even yesterday, even yesterday, going back, God has a sense of humor because he knew what I was preaching on in God's provisions. And so I was eating at the Lord's place, Chick-fil-A, because I'm a good pastor and need to support our Christian uh, organizations like Chick-fil-A. And, um, and so I was, I was there, and my kids, the three older ones, they're in the playhouse going all crazy. And I'm like, man, whose kids are those? Um, I can say that, again, because I have six kids. If you have one or two, you're not allowed saying those things. But I, I, I was eating, and they were playing, and this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, did you order a milkshake? And I said, absolutely not, but I wouldn't complain if you gave it to me. He's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And he comes back like five minutes later and he gives me a milkshake. And not only that, but it was cookies and cream, guys. It was a big deal. So I hope you guys know that God's miraculously provided in each and every stage of my life in in ways in which blows my mind. And so today's text, we're going to be in Philippians 4 10 to 20, and we're going to be discussing the provision, the miracle of God's provision in your life, and how he's working still today, and how he's working here at our church at New Hope. So, the book of Philippians is written by a guy named Paul, all right, and Paul, he had started this church in around 4950 AD, most scholars agree, and he loves this church. He values this church over 12 times through this short book will he say uh, things like he's joyful or joy-filled or he's rejoiced or rejoicing. He loves this church. He's complimenting this church. For all that they've done, he's thanking them in abundance for how they have been a blessing and how he has been able to bless them. The book of Philippians is written in around 62 AD, so a little bit after the time in which Paul uh, visited and started this church. And uh, in Acts 16, we see how the church was actually started. We see how the church uh, was formatted and formulated where Uh, A girl named Lydia, she was uh, saved and she was baptized um, through the ministry of Paul and Silas. We also see that because of Silas and Paul and their ministry and their heart to to cast a demon uh, in the name of Jesus and have somebody be healed from that uh, possession, they were thrown into jail and all this uh, circumstances happened in jail. Uh, If I could give you homework, read Acts 16 when you go home today. It will give you much of greater appreciation for the book of Philippians. But while in in prison, uh, they lead, Paul does, Paul and Silas, they lead the Philippian jailer and his family into salvation. And so Paul, though, he has a lot of emotions. He has a lot of, of, of ties to this church that he started. He loves this church. However, his current situation in which he's writing from, it's not, it's not what we would love to be in, and I'm sure he didn't love it at the time. He's writing in, uh, in Rome. He's, he's on house arrest. He's, he's shackled, and he's in chains, and uh, for most, if you're in prison, for most, you have the highs of life, and then you have the lows of life. You have the mountains of life and the valleys of life, Well, for most who are in prison, this is a valley, and then there's a creek bed. Well, you would be in that that creek bed. Like For most people, prison would not be a place where you get to say, I'm joyful for you. Yet Paul, when he ends this letter to them, he talks about his thankfulness. He talks about his joyfulness. He talks about his, 
his provisions in which God has been able to bless him with. And so let's go ahead and read verses 10 to, to 13. And we'll unpack that together. Verse 10, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We see in verse, verse 10, Paul, he receives this gift, this, this special gift from this special church, and he has... Uh, he uses this Greek word for revived, anatheo. It, it, it's in reference to something that has been blossomed after being dormant for a while. He's saying, listen, I know that you haven't been able to give. I know that the circumstances around, around you, have, you've not been aware potentially of what I'm going through. But after all of these years, as much concern as I have for you, I'm thankful that it has been revived for me. He says, but you had not, no opportunity as well. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, Paul alludes to the fact that this area is a poverty-stricken area in the area of Macedonia at the time. And so they may not have been aware of Paul's circumstances. They, may not, they might not have been um, knowledgeable of what his needs were and how to meet them. And last time I checked, the iPhone came out in 2007, and so they could not pick up the iPhone and say, hey, Paul, how are you doing? And so Paul, he is, though, just thankful for all the opportunities for this revived, this anatheo, this revived concern that they now have for him. Paul, he, in verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Paul, he doesn't deny the things that he needs. They, they've provided for him. They, they've shown his, their love and their care for him. But he's reminded that even without this contribution, even without these things, he is sufficient with what he already has. This Greek word, um, atardes, means simply enough. That is what the Greek word for content means. Simply enough. Possessing enough strength to need no aid. Paul is simply saying, I'm okay. I am okay. Now, remember Paul's circumstances. He literally has the bare necessities of life. He has a little food, a little water, some clothes. And though he has shelter over him, he is in prison. He writes of this word contentment as well in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, where he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul, he wants them to understand that his contentment is not found in his situation or in his circumstances. It is found in his joy and in his hope in the Lord and in his Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul, in verse 12, says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be brought low. The KJV, the KJV says to be abased. The NASB says, to get along with humble means. 
He's highlighting that in the highs of life, I've been joyful. In the lows of life, I've been joyful. He's, he's not letting the provisions of God distract him from who God actually is. He goes on to say, uh, no, uh, he's going on to say, to say, he says, I know the secrets of what God is teaching me. Secrets here in Greek means to teach fully, to teach fully. He's saying, I'm not something, I'm, I haven't read in a book on how to prosper in down seasons. No, no, no. I've been made fully aware from life situations that I have experienced, gone through, and am going through. Now, I have been made aware the secrets of what uh, contentment means. He has learned, he has learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Through being content, he gives us one of the most popular verses in the Bible. I can do all things who strengthens, through him who strengthens me. Now, there, for me, in the, in the American context, for, for us, sometimes this verse gets, get, it gets diluted, to say the least. And so let me provide some clarity. This word, I can do, it means to uh, be strong. It means to have power. In order to have power, to have strength, it is to find it in the one who is the most powerful, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the founder and sole provider of your salvation and my salvation. He is the one who secures our salvation. He is the one who paid for our salvation. He's the one who provides all of the necessities of life, and it is we as sinners who are the beneficiaries of his redeeming work on the cross, saying now that we have the Holy Spirit in us to give us power to go through each and every circumstance in which God is wanting us to go through. So in actuality, there's not much of we involved in this verse. It is mostly more about, about Jesus. It is all about Jesus saying, you are the sole foundation of all our strength. We can be strong. We can have strength when it is from God, when it is from Christ alone through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first few, the first few verses it highlights a, a big theme here. It says, when God is guiding us, when God guides your life and my life, he will always provide. He will always provide the essentials to your needs. He may not provide your wants, but when God guides, he provides. And when God is guiding us and when he is providing us, we can find contentment that is to be found in him and him alone. Contentment in God's provisions don't depend, again, on our circumstances, but it is rooted in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, if you would like to read all the things that Paul went through, he said, I, I've been beaten, I've been abused, I've, been, I've gone through a shipwreck, I've been in prison, I've gone through all of these things, yet I know that God is guiding me. God is the one who's making each and every step in my life where I need to go. And if it's through these hardships, I know that God is going to provide 
Church, that is so much of that is such a, a powerful truth in our lives and in our church. God is guiding you to be faithfully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, giving up yourselves away to Him, giving yourselves away to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And He's saying, when you do this, I am not going to forget you as a son and daughter. When you do this, I am going to guide you. When you do this, I am going to provide all of your needs. The miracle of God's provisions is being completely satisfied, completely content, completely sufficient in Christ alone. So church, my question is, are we satisfied with God's provisions? He has already given us. There's a difference here between our needs and our wants. When I look in the driveway and I see a 2003 Ford Explorer with 190,000 miles and the back right window doesn't work and the driver's side speaker goes in and out, am I content in my car? <laughs> because guess what? When I go like that, it turns on and that's good enough. Don't ask me how a car works. I have no idea. I just know it works. Don't tell the car show people that either. Anyways, but folks, are we content in what we already have? That is the point. Are we satisfied with God's provisions in which we are already being blessed with? Because I'm, though I make fun of my car, I'm blessed that it turns over. I'm blessed that it gets me from A to B and that when I'm in here or I'm at Walmart, no one gives a crap what I drive, to be honest, right? So... God has provided for us in such powerful, powerful ways. And so are we satisfied with God's provisions he's already given us? The word provide comes from two Latin words. It comes from one meaning pro, forward, and vide, to see. God, he is foreseeing everything in our lives. God sees forward into your life, and he sees forward into my life. In Proverbs 3 five to six. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all that you can trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Hebrews 13, five, it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content, be content with what you have. For God, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, when you faithfully go where God wants you to go, he is going to provide. Paul, he transitions here in verse 14 to 20. Let me go ahead and read that, and we'll again unpack that verse by verse. And it says in verse 14, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied Having received from Ephroditus the gifts, you sent me a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours 
according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, in verse 14, he transitions. He doesn't want to be uh, an ungrateful gift receiver. He still wants to show his gratitude. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. I think of having all of my kids. I think of I go to one grandparent's house, and they get a sweatshirt for Kinsley, my oldest daughter, by the way. And then we go to another grandparent's house, and, I get, and they get the same sweatshirt. And obviously, my mother-in-law and my mom should have talked about that. But the point is, gonna, there's going to be gratitude for both of those gifts. And, and Paul, he simply highlights, it was kind of you to share in this trouble that I'm going through. Thank you. Thank you. Don't think of my contentment as ungratefulness. Thank you to share in my trouble. Verse 15 to 16, Paul, he reminds, uh, he reminds them that while he was on his previous trips, they supported him in abundance and that no other church would do that. No other church would allow him to be able, in 2 Corinthians eleven nine, 9, Paul even uh, alludes to this idea that uh, he was able to be freed from his tent-making job to commit full-time and to spreading God's word. He was, be, he was able to uh, be full-time in spreading God's word. He was being, he was been, he's now been able to minister to other near areas that needed the gospel desperately, and he even was able to start different church plants all throughout the, the area that needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we see, in, uh, even in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Paul, in, in the end, uh, or sorry, in verse 18, or in the end of verse 17, it says, not that I seek the gift. Paul reminds us, this isn't the gift that's the point. This isn't the money that you contributed to me. To, that is the point. That is not the point. The, this is the point right here. Of all the sermon today, of all the text today, this is the sermon. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul has such a, such a focused mindset on the gospel. He has a focused mindset on lost people seeing salvation in their lives and in their families' lives and in their communities. He desires that all the fruit that is being produced because of what he is doing for the gospel is to be pointed back to Jesus. And he says, guess what? Because you were able to give, because I'm now able to commit myself to full-time ministry, ministering to other areas that need it, starting churches that, that, that need a church in this area, you are storing yourselves up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus will come, or Jesus previously had said something along those lines of storing our treasures up in heaven, not here on earth. In verse 18 and 19, we see that the, these verses that Paul receives from Ephroditus, he sees them not as a need, but more as a fragrant offering. Ephroditus, he is close to Paul. He's a brother to Paul. He's a dear friend. He's a member of the church in Philippi. And not only that, but even in uh, Philippians 2, 4 to 5, he says something along the lines that he actually shared in some of the same troubles and trials and tribulations that Paul went through. In the same regard, um, Paul says that these gifts are a fragrant offering, a fragrant offering that is pleasing, that is not just pleasing, but it's acceptable in my eyes and in the eyes of God. 
In Leviticus 1, 9, 2, 2, 19, 5, as well as Numbers 15, 3 to 7, it talks about when the Israelites, when they were giving a sacrifice to the Lord, the motives behind it were, the intentions were behind it, all were meant to, rec- uh, to worship God. And when God received it, it was pleasing to him. And so in the same way Paul sees this, it's an act of worship. And he is thankful that they are worshiping God this way. And in verse 19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I know this, this, this financial gift that you gave me. It wasn't something that was done um, it wasn't something that was done with ease and comfort. This might have been hard for you. Again, this was not a wealthy area. And he's saying, but don't, don't worry, brothers, sisters. Don't worry, my treasured church. Don't worry, because God, he will supply every need of yours. So church, we have to understand through Paul's ministry here that whatever is given, God miraculously multiplies. And not only that, but here in today's culture, in today's context, we have a unique, we have a unique opportunity to store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Now, again, I, I want to make sure that you don't miss, mishear what I'm saying. This is not a prosperity gospel message where the more you give, the more you get, because if that was the case, I would not have a 2003 Ford Explorer. That's besides the point. It is not that. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, we have a unique opportunity to faithfully submit our lives over to the Lord in such a way that we are storing up treasures in heaven. If we're talking about God's provisions and the miracle of God's provisions in your life and in my life, the root of that is saying, I'm content with what I got. And a content heart will be a giving heart. Looking at God's provisions in your life, you will joyfully ask, what is it, God, that you want me to do? How do you want me to bless my church more? How do you want me to bless this parachurch organization more? How do you want me to to bless this missionary overseas more? A content heart will be a joyful heart. And so, church, as we close, I kind of want to write my own Philippian letter to you, New Hope. I want to say thank you. First and foremost, thank you for all that you've done for me and my family. I'm confident in saying if Pastor Philip or Pastor Chuck or Pastor Dave, if they were up here, they would say the same thing. This would be a moment where they would share an agreement with me of simply saying thank you. I am amazed and floored about how much you love me, how much you love my wife, how much you love all of my children. And I have a lot. That's a lot of love to give to all of my children. But you do it. And I just want to say thank you. You have opened up your arms so faithfully to me and to my family. I've been at a lot of churches. I've served at a lot of churches, and there's not been a church quite like New Hope that I have served at. And so thank you. Thank you.
And in saying that, I'm, I'm again amazed and floored, not just at the love that you show me, but also the, the faithfulness in your, your support to us financially. Every week, every week I see that financial report go up, and every week I'm like, God, you are doing something with these people. God, you are good. Thank you. So this isn't me saying give more at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying thank you because you guys are a church that I treasure and that I value and that I love being on staff with. So thank you for that. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to, to read and to know you more. God, you are good. God, you have given us everything that we've needed. God, you have miraculously multiplied whatever it is given. God, I, I look at the church here at New Hope, and God, you see all the things that we do, all the things that we give, and God, you, there is a miracle happening in how you, how you are multiplying that. So God, we are so thankful for what you are doing, because God, we know that it's not you, or that it's not us, that it's not, that it's, that it's not Matthew, Stephen, Irvin. It's nothing that we're doing, but God, it is all you. And so God, again, this is a miracle. And we, again, we praise you for you are good. You are faithful. We're in humble submission to you. Jesus, we love you. Because of that love, help us to love you and love others more today. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.